Hey, Grown Up Friends, a big thank you to so many of you that have already bought my new book, Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. This book was not easy to write because I had to get honest with myself about what was working with my teen and young adult kids and what was not working. And I also had to be prepared to share it with all of you. So first of all, thank you for your support and your wonderful responses to it. There's definitely some things in there that you may not have been expecting to hear. By the way, I got a lot of help from my money expert friends and also financial therapists and parenting experts. I am really happy with how launching Financial Grownups came out, even though it really was hard to be like I said, that honest, and um, it was a lot of work, but I really love doing it, and I'm really happy with how it came out. On that note, if you have not already, please pick up a copy of Launching Financial Grownups today. After you do, please share it on social media. Please leave a review on Amazon. Those reviews are super important because the algorithm picks up on them, and that can make the book a lot more visible to more people. So I truly appreciate it, and I really also appreciate all of your support. Now, instead of the big game companies extracting 99.9% of the value of all their customers, the game company might only be extracting 50 or 60% of the value, but they're giving the rest to their gamers. And these gamers can either buy their way to the top by buying NFTs, or, you know, they can hustle their way to the top by like really grinding away and playing the games and then selling what they earn and actually making money. You're listening to Money Tips for Financial Grownups with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of Launching Financial Grownups, because you know what? Grownup life is really hard, but together we got this. Are you crypto curious? I know I am, and I have so many friends that have invested in cryptocurrency, and somehow, for them, it all makes sense. And while I can't say I'm ready to dive in, I do think we, as financial grownups, need to know what's up with this whole Web 3.0 world, which includes not just cryptocurrencies, but also other emerging investment options like NFTs. And yes, I say that skeptically, but what do I know? I invited my friend Robert Farrington back on. You may know him from The College Investor, but he's been quietly growing a blog called Cult of Money, which is for the crypto curious. In our interview, Robert explains what this whole world of what a lot of people call Web 3.0 really is, how the different investments work, who holds what, where, how do you actually invest? Can your kids invest without you knowing? How do you control your risk? And this one was a big one. How do you avoid getting scammed? And we even talk about taxes. Yeah, apparently there's a thing with getting taxed on crypto. It's a little bit complicated still, but you do have to pay. And well, I'll let him explain, but don't think you're not gonna get caught. It's at the end of the interview. So listen to the whole thing. The answers were a big surprise to me. You will learn a lot here. Here is Robert Farrington. Robert Farrington, you are a financial grown-up. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have scored this interview because you have a new project 
I hesitate to say new because just before we started, you said it was sort of a pivot from something else you did, but you'll explain that to us. It is for the crypto curious. It is a website called Cult of Money. So congratulations on the relaunch and rebranding or I don't know. What is it, Robert? Tell us about Cult of Money. That's exactly what it is. So it's a rebranding because I have been crypto curious myself. And I decided if I'm going to do all this research and work and dive into this, I should probably share my learnings and what I found out and help other people that have been seeing all this stuff about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and all the other related products and services. Well, uh, if you're like me and you're crypto curious, we share all that and hopefully help you digest and understand it from a personal finance perspective. The first question for my financial grown-up community about crypto is, how does it work? What is this thing? Because it's going up and down and we hear about it and we hear some things that are a little bit scary, but then we have a lot of FOMO. So what exactly is this crypto world? Basically, think of it as a digital currency that is backed by other people's beliefs in this currency and it's technology based, right? So instead of a central bank or a conglomerate of banks or a country controlling it, it is controlled by individuals and institutions that hold these currencies. You probably heard of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is considered the digital gold these days. It is expensive, but it is a little more stable in the cryptocurrency world. It only fluctuates 5 to 10% here and there. <laughs> which is stable in the crypto world. Then you have Ethereum, <clears throat> which is more akin to a digital cash. So people really love Ethereum because you can transact and you can do a bunch of different cool things with it. Um, and so those are the two more popular ones. You go down the list and you have a bunch of different varieties. I think there's over 2,000 today. And I think where it gets a little scary is that probably number 50 to 2000 are akin to penny stocks in the world. And they are flyers and they are things that are very risky. And there's a lot of scams and Ponzi scheme type things there. But the fact is, is that crypto has been around for almost 20 years now. And it's really getting more mainstream uh, in the last five to seven years. And now you're seeing products and services and all these things that are interacting with it. And so it's important to understand what you're dealing with here. So that's kind of what we're talking about. And hopefully that sheds a little light on it without diving into the technical nuances. Yeah, there's a million little mini questions, but we're going to stick to the high level stuff. So basically to summarize that, though, those are sort of the big brand names. And in theory, while nothing's guaranteed, those are sort of the more reliable names if somebody wants to get involved with it. The, the names with more of a track record, but nothing. These are not government backed and they're not regulated as of now, right? They are not regulated. They are not government backed. There's actually a lot of questions on who even regulates these things. And then every state and every country kind of treats these things differently as well. So it's very much the wild west of money these days. But again, at the same token, I think, uh, there's a lot of popularity around these as well because of all the concerns with what the Fed is doing and how corporate banks and investment institutions are handling things. And so people are like, what's the alternative? And, you know, this technological currency has kind of emerged as an alternative to it. But at the same token, it's very much the Wild West. And you said at the same token, do you mean at the same time? I'm just curious. Or is that a delivery? Because you said it twice. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, You same just have time. tokens on your mind. I do have tokens on my mind. And we are talking about tokens and time. So, man, I'm having trouble talking today as well. So the UA. Okay. So the governments don't really know what to do about this. It's not officially recognized. So how do we start? I mean, do we, can we do this through our bank account? Like, where do we do this? And how do we know we're dealing with somebody legit? 
So there are two ways to go about investing in cryptocurrency. One is to go to an exchange. So people probably heard the name Coinbase these days or Binance. And you can go on these exchanges and they're very akin to the Fidelities and the Vanguards of the world where you open an account. You deposit money and you can purchase a cryptocurrency. And these exchanges will hold those cryptocurrencies for you. You can trade them, transact with them. The other way to go about it is to self-custody your cryptocurrency, where you don't have to interact with any government entity or company and you can do it yourself. But this is for the technologically savvy folks. And there is very high risk to this because you got to own your own stuff. It's very much like, I always like to use this reference, but it gets lost on the young kids these days of having your own share certificates. So Bobby, you might remember Mm -hmm. having share certificates of a stock and you could put those in a safe deposit box and you could hold on to real shares of a company. Well, it's the very much the same thing of self-custodying crypto is you can actually own your own crypto, hold it on your computer and transact with it directly on the blockchain. But it takes a little more work a little more technical savvy. And it's also a little more risky because the onus is all on you to keep your stuff safe and not get scammed and things like that. Whereas if you're on an exchange, the onus is more on the exchange to help those transactions go through. But I hear these things, some of these exchanges, I mean, there are, you know, these are not FDIC insured the way that a bank is. And brokerage firms, people, you know, you're not protected from if you own a stock and the value of the stock goes down, but you are protected from the brokerage firm just taking your money. So for example, Voyager was a publicly traded crypto exchange and it's in bankruptcy right now. And it commingled its own assets with customer assets and it lost a lot of money, including customer assets. So one of the things you see with like the fidelities of the world is that customer assets are kept separate from the bank's assets. So theoretically, even if these big and brokerage firms go under, your own assets are separate, right? Well, there's no regulation on these crypto companies. And we saw Celsius have the same thing happen in Voyager. So again, that's why actually people like to self-custody in the crypto space because you get to hold your own assets and no one can steal it. But there is a lot of, you know, it's whether it's a question of fraud or not fraud, in those cases, it was a question of these companies got greedy and over leveraged themselves, taking out loans and used their customer assets as collateral. It's wrong. I don't know if you'd call it fraudulent, but it's wrong. But there is also fraud in the sense of people create fake coins and meme coins, and there's a lot of pump and dump schemes, and there's things like that that you really have to be aware of. You don't really see that with the quote-unquote blue chip cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. But again, when you get to like the low cap, you know, brand new cryptocurrencies, you know, that are way down on the list, you can definitely run the risk of more fraudulent activities taking place, especially from the sheer fact that, you know, the amount of dollars moving in, and and again, it kind of akin to the penny stock situation. If someone buys $1,000 of a thinly traded cryptocurrency, it makes that price jump up significantly. And that could have been an insider transaction or a celebrity or something else. And then, you know, they, they fake the hype around these coins and then people buy into that hype. And then, you know, they get victimized as a result. So it is very much the Wild West, but it reminds me of the Wild West, again, of like penny stocks or other financial instruments that have happened all throughout time. This just happens to be the current modern version of it. 
tangent question. What do you think about all these celebrities that went on endorsing? I think of Matt Damon, obviously, with that Super Bowl ad. I mean, have has there been any development with that? Were they really investors in it? Were they paid in crypto? What do we know about that? And are they all stopping it because there's been more controversy about that? I mean, this became a big celebrity thing. The FTC is cracking down because these people are bound to disclose if they're advertising or not advertising. And so there's definitely been some crackdowns on it and some different things around that. A lot of these big celebrities stayed out of it in terms of like, you know, what they're endorsing and they're very careful. But I see mm-hmm. it with a lot of small time influencers, especially like social media centric influencers that didn't know better. And especially the younger ones, right? When, when you're a young mm-hmm. teenager and someone says, Hey, I'll give you $500 to tweet this. You know, they might not know that they shouldn't do that. In part two, that's a lot of money. And so it's very hard for those to navigate that. And so, yes, there are cracking down on it. You need to be mindful of what you share. We know that it can be traded. Okay. Moving past that, a lot of parents might have their kids coming to them saying, I need Ethereum because I want to do X, Y, and Z on the internet. Tell us more about, first of all, what parents need to know and also the different uses of crypto that are realistic right now, the mainstream uses of crypto right now. Absolutely. So there's two really ways to go about this is you have the financial approach and you have the technical approach. On the financial side of this, we talked about trading, but one of the biggest uses of cryptocurrency right now is payments. So sending international payments, sending payments to other people, crypto is way better at sending payments to people than a bank transfer or Zelle or Cash App or any of these other things, especially internationally. So where you're seeing some of the biggest developments on the financial front of cryptocurrency is all in payments um, because it's very easy to have a verified, authenticated transaction in minutes versus sending a wire transfer and paying a $50 fee and then heaven forbid it's an international wire and, you know, all this crazy stuff, right? So cryptocurrency does that very well, and that's huge. And that's where you're going to see Bitcoin and Ethereum are kind of thriving in that space. On the technology front, you're starting to see things like NFTs and different things like that, which are smart contracts. And there's a lot of opportunities in the smart contract space to potentially build tools and actual useful things that just automatically run themselves. And we're seeing a lot of this in gaming. So for all the teenagers out there, like the gaming front is huge in crypto because the ecosystem that exists right now is that you have to go buy a Fortnite skin or you have to do this and it's all in the game and you're not really supposed to trade your accounts or sell your accounts. It's like illegal and against the terms of services and different things. And we're seeing crypto really revolutionize that with Axie Infinity and different games where you can take things that you earn in the game and you can sell them outside of the game and then bring them back into the game. And so they've created marketplaces based on cryptocurrency Really, it's the NFTs that are layered on top that really add a lot of value. So now, instead of the big game companies extracting 99.9% of the value of all their customers, the game company might only be extracting 50 or 60% of the value, but they're giving the rest to their gamers. And these gamers can either buy their way to the top by buying NFTs, or, you know, they can hustle their way to the top by like really grinding away and playing the games and then selling what they earn and actually making money. And so those are kind 
kind of the two biggest use cases today. But again, we are so early on in this that um, I think things are going to continue to evolve and going forward. But if you hear your kids saying, I need to buy Ethereum because uh, I want to buy an NFT, it might not just be an eight picture. The eight pictures... They're kind of like not the best use case for this. A lot of the gaming stuff, there's music, there's different things that involve royalties. And I'm actually even seeing content creators create um, digital communities using an NFT, right? So um, Gary Vaynerchuk is a, a great example where he sold his conference as an NFT. People could then resell their passes to the conference and stuff by the blockchain. And the premise is, is that if he adds value, the value to his conference ticket will go up in price. And then you as a consumer can decide whether I want to go or not go. And if I don't go, I could sell that ticket and maybe make a profit, maybe not. But as the creator of this event, you get a royalty of all the secondary sales. And so there's this premise here that if I add value, everybody wins. And that's kind of the holistic good idea of NFTs and crypto. Right. And Gary Vaynerchuk still gets a piece of it as well, continuing on the way that right. NFTs are resold. There's a, there's a continuing ownership, unlike if an artist sold a painting, the secondary market he's out of, he or she is out of. A hundred percent. And so the premise, again, if you want to use the art as an example, it's another great one, that if I create a hundred great paintings and each one continues to add value, well, I still benefit from that first one I ever painted. And so I have an incentive as an artist to not just be once and done. I have an incentive to continue to add value to my followers and my community because I'll get that monetary compensation as well. So for parents, what do they need to know? I mean, can kids set up their own account, like sort of behind our backs if we don't know about, I mean, are there restrictions? Because I know with, you know, they'll bring a, a brokerage account, you have minor accounts and things like that. How does it work with crypto? Is there any restriction or can just anyone set it up and we can find out that our 11 year old is, you know, and ho hopefully a fabulous NFT entrepreneur, but maybe not. Yeah. So if your kid is tech savvy, they could set up a non-custodial account by installing MetaMask and just going to town with this. Um, they need to get some money into the system, which is a little harder, right? Because they have to figure out how to link that and, and can get the payments into it. But theoretically, if they create an NFT and get paid for it, that's their money and they can have an account for it. You'll also know that a lot of major brokerages are now starting to allow crypto. So if you do have a custodial account for your kid, a lot of the apps like Webull and Robinhood and stuff allow you to buy cryptocurrencies. Even Fidelity is getting in on this with uh, allowing crypto being traded on their apps and stuff as well. And so it is possible even for your kids to do it if you set up those custodial accounts. I think just like anything with teaching our children about investing in money is that if they're interested in it, you should probably let them, but teach them that this is high risk, high reward, and you can lose it all. But on the financial side, like a, a Robinhood or a Fidelity, they don't actually you know, own the crypto, right? It's in the exchange. And so that side is really only going to be for trading on price, which is truly speculating at that point in time. If they're self-custodying and trying to do it for other things, there's a lot of technological learnings and different things that might be more valuable. But again, you know your teen. So my final question is just what is the future of this in terms of investments? Are we going to be putting retirement savings in this? Are we going to be able to, you have your other website, um, the college investor, obviously, is it going to be something we could pay for college with? And what about taxes? That was like five questions is my last question, but I have so many questions and I kind of like the tagline five questions. So yeah. All the questions. Well, okay. 
Uh, and the future of this is still extremely high risk, high reward. I can't tell you what cryptocurrency is going to win. I, I think I could say, is it going to go away? No. Is the technology going to probably exist here forever? I think so. But will we continue to have these individual tokens and exchanges? I couldn't tell you. And so I'm not trying to pick a winner. I think you should really think about it in terms of a currency. I think I think we're going to have NFTs forever. I don't think they'll be called that. Like, we don't ever say WWW anymore in front of the internet. We just say the d- website name. Like, it's kind of that same technology. Like, we're on the World Wide Web recording this right now, but we never actually say WWW, right? And that's kind of how NFTs and crypto are. Like, the technology will exist and it'll be here, but I don't know if we're going to call it some of these same names. So I think you should pay attention to it. I also really like the idea of self-custody and understanding your own security and securing your own assets, because it's really sad seeing people getting hacked and losing their money. But on the same token, it's really important to understand how these things happen, how you can secure your own assets. And just basic online financial security is so important, like using multiple passwords, never reusing passwords, like understanding what a hardware wallet is and like how these things work are essential to our future. I think as we are just dealing with our own banks and stuff, please have two-factor authentication. Realize that getting a text message is probably not that secure if you're using that to get your two-factor. Things like that are very good lessons that we can take away from the crypto space and apply it to our own financial lives. And then finally, you touched on taxes. Taxes are a mess. So, you know, crypto is a, a capital gain, capital loss type thing, but every transaction can be a capital gain or a capital loss. You have the potential for collectibles. If you're doing crypto in gaming, you have the potential to rack up thousands of taxable transactions very quickly. So it's a tax nightmare. Like just, just realize that crypto is a tax nightmare, not necessarily in the reporting of it. The reporting of it is super easy. Like you put your gain, you put your loss, you fill out the form, not a big deal. It's getting all those transactions in one place because none of these companies are obligated to report it. And so you don't get a nice 1099 from all this like you do from Fidelity or Charles Schwab or whoever you're using. You are responsible for creating your own, you know, what is it, 8849, you know, tax form and submitting that with your taxes. And for those of you that think you can avoid taxes because it's the blockchain and it's things, well, that's the whole premise of a blockchain. It's a public ledger. People don't necessarily know who's who. But at this point in time, the IRS has subpoenaed enough people and knows everybody that it's like a giant Sudoku puzzle that they know like 80% of all the addresses and then they can piece together the remaining 20 by just putting the dots together and, you know, realize it's public. And so maybe they won't come after you this year, but, you know, at some point in time, they're going to run all this through a supercomputer and they're going to put all the pieces together and people are going to get nasty letters from the IRS. So don't think you can avoid the taxes, but it is really a challenging tax situation. I think accountants are a little frazzled by it because there's no beautiful 1099 that summarizes all your transactions at the end of the year. Somehow I think the IRS will eventually figure that out. We know they're staffing up, unfortunately. 
Yeah. But anyway, all that information and more is available on cultofmoney.com. Tell us more about where we can reach you and your other business, that old college business thing. Yeah. So you can find me at the college investor or cultofmoney.com. And uh, we have our podcast, we have video, however you like to find us or in- enjoy your content, we're there. So just find us the college investor or cult of money. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. This was great. There is something I don't talk about publicly that I have decided to start sharing, even though it can be a bit embarrassing. I get digital overload and it stresses me out for good reason, because when you have so much junk on your computer, because you're not as organized as you should be, because you get caught up in all the things that you have to do, if you don't deal with it, all that stuff on your computer starts to really slow things down and can become a total drag on your productivity. For me, there is nothing worse than finally motivating to get stuff done, only to be derailed by a sluggish computer that is just not cooperating. A little while ago, I decided I was going to stop just kind of hoping that things would get better and I was gonna deal with it. I downloaded something called Clean My Mac. It's from a company called MacPaw. I was skeptical, but I took a deep breath and I tried it. Long story short, it totally worked. I loved how I could see it work through my files with clear and easy to understand graphics. I could see what was messing things up and Clean My Mac would ask me for my okay before deleting files so that something I did need to keep didn't go bye-bye. That was one of my biggest fears. I recently reached out to the company and they are offering 10% off to my financial grown-up listeners who want to also get Clean My Mac. To get that 10% off Clean My Mac, you do need to go to my link. It is bobbyrebell.com forward slash clean my Mac. B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L-L dot C-O-M forward slash clean my Mac. And that is all one word. I promise you, you will be so happy. I want you guys to be in touch with me. Let me know how it goes. You deserve to lower the stress of data overload. Trust me, so worth it. That tax stuff was intense, right? Do you feel more or less ready to dive in? Or if you're already investing, do you have your doubts now? Or are you maybe a little bit more confident? I love hearing from all of you. So please be in touch on social media, whichever one makes sense for you. On Instagram, I am at BobbyRebel1. On Twitter, at BobbyRebel. And it would also mean a lot to me because I'm really trying to grow this community if you follow me. And if you do, let me know that you are a financial grown-up listener so I can be sure to follow you back. And speaking of community, I love to give to all of you. So I put together a newsletter, usually twice a month, with more useful information for living your best financial grown-up life. And I would love to share it with all of you. It's free. Just sign up on my website, bobbyrebel.com. And also on my website, by the way, you can get the show notes and full transcripts for free for this and all past podcast episodes. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider helping me out and supporting it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that takes reviews to help others discover the show. It means a lot to have an endorsement You can also just take a screenshot on whatever device you're listening to right now and share it on social media. Tag me so I can thank you, of course, or simply encourage your friends to listen and subscribe or follow the podcast. 
make sure to check out Cult of Money for the Crypto Curious, my friends. Biggest thanks to Robert Farrington for helping us all be financial grownups. Money Tips for Financial Grownups is a production of BRK Media, LLC. Editing and production by Steve Stewart. Guest coordination, content creation, social media support, and show notes by Ashley Wall. You can find the podcast show notes, which include links to resources mentioned in the show, as well as show transcripts, by going to my website, bobbyrebell.com. You can also find an incredible library of hundreds of previous episodes to help you on your journey as a financial grown-up. The podcast and tons of complimentary resources associated with the podcast is brought to you for free, but I need to have your support in return. Here's how you can do that. First, connect with me on social media at bobbyrebell1 on Instagram and bobbyrebell on both Twitter and on Clubhouse, where you can join my Money Tips for Grownups Club. Second, share this podcast on social media and tag me so I can thank you. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reading each one means the world to me. And you know what? It really motivates others to subscribe. You can also support our merch shop, grownupgear.com, by picking up fun gifts for your grown-up friends and treating yourself as well. And most of all, Help your friends on their journey to being financial grownups by encouraging them to subscribe to the podcast. Together, we got this. Thank you for your time and for the kind words so many of you send my way. See you next time. And thank you for supporting Money Tips for Financial Grownups.